You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. episodes of Popcorn Ronin, we've definitely stated our love for movies that play with the ideas of artificial intelligence and how they interact with humans, be it in a frightening manner in Ex Machina or in a slightly frightening but more fun-loving way through something like Chappie. It's something that we keep coming back to because both of us really enjoy the stories that, are in, that come out of that. This week we're talking about the newest movie in that front called I Am Mother, released on Netflix earlier this summer. It was apparently a uh, critical darling back at Sundance earlier this year and is the feature film directorial debut of Grant Sputor. And I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed this. It's not without its faults, but I think overall I, I was pretty engaged throughout the entire viewing. For me, the, um, the the fault, and and I say that for any such movie, as long as the the faults are are kind of in the, the believability of what is happening and not in the performances, I'm kind of all right with that, because it's kind of like when you are watching a. Uh, a pop culture film that includes, be it superheroes, vampires, werewolves, any supernatural stuff and whatnot, you kind of have to accept certain things at face value. And even though this is based on a reality, AI and robots and things like that, and the obvious apocalypse that will undoubtedly come about <laughs> eventually, um, I'm willing to give them quite a bit of flexibility in that regard. I I prefer when it's well done. I prefer when the majority makes enough sense that you can say, okay, I see what you're going with, and yeah, that that could, could happen as long as the performances are good. And fucking hell, like the performances in this across the board were spectacular. So I, I adored this. I, I really enjoyed watching this film. It, it was a very different type of film, but I had a very similar kind of connection with this as with Ex Machina. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the cast was so small. Like Ex Machina, you had yeah. essentially three actors, uh, two human, one not. And here you have two actors and a very well-voiced robot. So it allows you as a viewer to just really home in on what's important. There's not any background noise going on. You, you really get to enjoy everything that's presented to you as is, and it allows you to really connect with the characters on screen and spend more time with them than you can in a lot of other films. It's not just that. It's a lot more personal because mm -hmm. you are putting yourself in the place of the, the humans in this story. And so what winds up happening is that it becomes less a story about the robot apocalypse and more about this girl with this robot that she has spent her entire life with, you know? So it, it really gives this personal touch to what would otherwise be fairly impersonal. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about the film, and it, it's definitely trending towards like the false sort of things is what it does with a lot of the genre tropes and cliches being AI films, creepy robots, post-apocalyptic stuff. But I think overall, a lot of that works to its favor because it runs with kind of all of them <laughs> and it, you don't know which ones it's using just as genre conventions or which ones it's using 
as misdirections. So like we'll, we'll get into it more as we go on, but I was wondering if you kind of caught on to some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, again, I, I, I hate using the same phrase that we use so bloody often, but it's true. It's what you do with the trope. So mm-hmm. when you're going into a film like this, you have to expect that there, it's going to be very, very trope heavy. I mean, it's pretty much impossible otherwise. And so it very much is a, as you're watching it, you're thinking, okay, well, I know what, I know what to expect here. I know what you're doing. Now let's see whether or not you're actually going to follow through on that or try to be a little clever. And so I found that in those instances where it did follow through on what was expected, it was still well done. It didn't come off as cheesy. And then when it kind of, not surprise, but kind of took a turn that I wasn't necessarily expecting, it was like, oh, okay, good. Way to go. So yeah. it, it, it really, like you said, worked in its favor because you're never quite sure what to expect because what you do expect is the norm. And that's not always kind of what feeds through. Mm-hmm. So our film picks up literally the day after the apocalypse <laughs> where the uh, robot that we know through the film as mother is activated in a bunker to start repopulating the earth. Uh, mother is voiced by Rose Byrne in this film. I'm sorry, and, you, you mispronounced that. It's it's pronounced brilliantly voiced by... <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and was... Uh, a great design on the robot as well from Weta Workshop. Uh, Having like the, the typical like industrial robotics of it. And then having the forethought of having like all of like the baby carrying parts, like, like the, the arm, like screwing on the padding that we see at the beginning and having that glow as heating. I was like, that was a brilliant touch. And same thing we talked about with Chappie. The eyes were so expressive, even though they're literally just two circles sliding around on her face. It worked so well for bringing across certain emotions with otherwise a completely blank and featureless robot. I firmly believe that probably the most important design choice that you are going to make if you are making a movie that revolves around this kind of thing isn't how are you going to shape the bunker what are the robots going to look like overall things like that but rather what is the the main robot's face going to look like because it has to still be expressive it can't all lay at the the feet of the voice actors there has to be a, a, a way in which it can communicate something and then as the movie progresses and we get to see how those minor facial animations take place and 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 when they take place what is the character doing the the robot doing what is the robot saying things like that and then you can pick up on oh when this happens it it kind of is quote unquote feeling this or trying to convey this and the design of this robot is, like you said, it's fantastic. It's really well done. And it, of course, helps that the voice acting for it is fucking amazing. Just spectacular from beginning to end. Yeah, it's overall like that, that calming, almost emotionless, like Siri-style voice, but allowing for inflections at certain point that make it no this isn't artificial intelligence this isn't a virtual intelligence this is a thinking robot that we're not sure if actually experiencing emotions or is capable of replicating emotions but one way or another a little more human but still with that same tone that we as modern people living in the world are used to well it goes beyond that too because um again it's that's a fine line that she walked there because mm-hmm. it is it would have been easy for her to be the Siri voice which is completely emotionless um but it's not there are moments when she is talking to the child daughter is all she's named and and you 
you almost sense something. Like you, you can almost feel uh, parental pride or disciplining different things, but never so much that it crosses the line and becomes something that is too human. It, again, it was it was a very fine line, and she danced on that fucking line. It was just beautiful to see or to hear mm-hmm. in this case. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it was one of the things that I didn't like about her, which was uh, the Spike Jones film about uh, essentially a man falling in love with his Siri. Yeah. And Scarlett Johansson was great as the voice of the AI, but it was a little too human. And it, it, it blurred the lines a little too much for me. But yeah, here, Rose Byrne absolutely nailed it. Well, see, the thing is, is that not everybody realizes that that, that uncanny valley isn't just sight. It's not just about how they look. It's also about how they address you, how they speak, how they they move everything. If it's too human, it will cause a problem in our brains and how we interpret it. And at least for me, I never had that issue with this. I, it was from beginning to end an appreciation of it, never a, oh, that should have sounded more robotic or should have sounded like it had more emotion. No, it was, again, she she nailed it. Mm-hmm. And I loved like the little opening montage here of mother raising daughter and finding out that raising a kid is a little more complicated than a robot can handle. Like there, there's a learning experience here that I was like, this, this was very clever. It wasn't, she wasn't just immediately capable because she's a robot. She, she knows how to do this. Nobody knows how to raise a kid until they have one. Exactly. Uh, but after that nice little montage of, you know, raising the daughter alone, uh, we get a time skip ahead to daughter now in her teenage years, played by Cara, Clara Rugard, is going through her, you know, her teenage phase, <laughs> but is still, like, learning from mother. And we we see, like, her her uh, her education is based not just around, of course, you know, I would assume a lot of the, the normal things, but very heavily on uh, moral philosophies. And I was like, this is, this was my first hint of like, okay, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it, it's not unheard of for these things to be part of education, but the fact that this is the part of the education that we as viewers are witnessing is starting to set up like, what is mother's goal with raising, you know, this daughter of hers? Well, the thing is, is that it also plants that seed early on which is very important because then the events at the end aren't just a red herring. They, they did not come out of nowhere. We saw what was happening throughout. We may have chosen to ignore it or not necessarily interpret it how it was meant, but we did see what was going on. And this was probably the most important clue that was left early on for us. Not the most, but I'm going to wrap back around to that one later. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, a daughter is curious, wanting to know more about, you know, the world outside. Uh, As mother tells her, it's been completely irradiated by war and disease. Like, can't go out there. It's, It's infected. You'll get sick. You'll die. You're safe in here. Uh, and then one night, uh, daughter finds, like, she hears a noise, and she finds a little mouse running around near the entry hatch. And this is a big problem for mother, because that came from outside, and that means there's uh, potential contamination, but it plants that seed of, you know, if the mouse is alive and all right, what, what else is alive and okay outside? So this is our first little... uh little twist that while we expect uh, as viewers that things aren't exactly as we've been told, this is our first confirmation that that is such. And on top of that, it also lays the groundwork down again, laying clues of, okay, something can be done to shut everything down, including mother. It took a rat to show us, but now we know that push comes to shove daughter can do something to, potentially save herself as well. I don't know if you felt that way as you were watching it. Uh, For me, I was more homed in on this is the first time we see mother as anything other than nurturing. Right. Because she's very protective, but also dismissive of daughter's inquiries. She's like, no, no, 
this thing's going in the fucking incinerator right now. <laughs> What's funny is that, like, it, it it's also interesting because it's essentially showing a, a quote-unquote parent raising a teenager. And a special teenager that has absolutely no link to humanity otherwise. And so it's kind of a blank slate. How is, how is this child going to be acting when she is becoming a teenager that is rebellious, that is curious, that wants to do something? And yes, her character is um, more submissive because of how she was raised by mother, but she still kind of pushes against that. And so it's, again, as a parent, you're watching this and thinking, this is a rebellious teen that's trying to, you know, break curfew kind of thing <laughs> or sneak out of the house. And and it makes perfect sense. And so when mother is kind of like, no, this is bad and this is what happens, it wasn't for me. Yes, I could see the elements that are, okay, this is a little nefarious, but it also was a parent being strict and mm-hmm. kind of, not laying down the law, but along those kind of lines, setting guidelines of, no, this is bad. You can't do this anymore. You're just going to have to trust me on this one. It just it played out naturally in that way while still offering a few clues of there might still be more to this than we are led on to believe. So, of course, rebellious teenager that she is, daughter goes back to the airlock another night and finds not a mouse, but a full-grown adult human, uh, <laughs> played by Hilary Swank, uh, named, best we can tell, simply woman. Again, nobody really has names in this movie. Not necessary for the most part. Uh, she's outside, injured, she was shot, and needs help. And again, we get this this great scene of daughter, like, you know, not sure what to do, but hey, it's another person going into that, like we talked about earlier, that that moral philosophy of like, what's the right thing to do, what do I want to do, and eventually deciding to, to let her in as Mother's waking up and seeing Mother hauling ass through the, through the compound, running for the door. It, it was very striking for me. Like, this whole scene, the tension of getting the hazmat suit on and hiding, and it... it played out perfectly hillary swank i i mean it, you you can't say anything bad about her she's phenomenal in everything she does and she was great in this so immediately when you see her she sells it that said i will say that that initial meeting was probably for me one of the not low points not problems Required a little suspension of disbelief. Not, yes and no, because the problem that I had was in daughter's reaction. Because Mm -hmm. this is a child that is now, what is she at that point, like 13? I'd say she's closer to like 15, 16. You really think she's that old? I didn't think she was. Okay, anyways, doesn't really matter. So we have a teenager that has never seen another human being except on old Johnny Carson clips, which FYI, <laughs> I loved. Um, and and so I had to, as I'm watching that and I'm thinking, shouldn't she be a lot more shocked, a lot more surprised? And I had to keep kind of reminding myself that she was raised by a robot, that she was raised presumably without a lot of emotion and that she much like if you're in solitaire for too long granted this is with mother that she really humanizes it's hard to tell how a person would grow up in that kind of atmosphere so maybe it makes sense that she reacted the way she does she did for me i would have probably written it that she was a lot more shocked a lot more surprised a lot more you know unable to find the right thing to say or do or whatever. Um, She was a little too composed for my liking is what I'm trying to get at. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I kind of played that off as she was raised to be composed. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like, at, at least, like, in hindsight. Like, yeah, oh, she's knowing what, what daughter's education is, is all about. Like, okay, you know, she's she's been trained in crisis management. <laughs> yeah. So we have the, the awkward uh, child tries to hide a pet in the basement scene. <laughs> <laughs> of her having a, a woman suffering from a gunshot, you know, trying to sneak her food and medical supplies, and nothing's getting past the omnipotent robot. I'm sorry. <laughs> there were way too many moments where, where I was thinking just that. Like, hold on a second. Like, this mm-hmm. is the the. I'm starting to clue into what happened here. There's no way in hell there aren't cameras all over the goddamn place. She ha- especially when she takes off when she hears the alarm from when the door goes open, which like you said that was such a good scene. You want to talk about tension? Fucking hell. When she starts running, you're like holy fuck. <laughs> like this ain't good, kid. Close that door now. Um and it pays off later on where you're like, yeah, I fucking knew it, but Early on, there's there are no hints, with the exception of that, that there is additional monitoring going on to be able to keep an eye on her everywhere. So, of course, once mother discovers the woman, uh, there's a confrontation. Daughter ends up talking her down and convincing everybody that uh, the best thing is to get get the woman into the medical bay because she's still got a bullet in her stomach. And this is where we start to get the interactions between the various characters and, most importantly, woman's reaction to mother. Because, oh, by the way, robots killed everybody. And this, so this is the, the next like genre trope that, okay, we're, we're going down the Terminator route here. And that the other robots like mother are out there hunting for the last of the survivors. Uh, she says she was from uh, a, a group hiding out in the mines. They were on a, a supply run. Uh, they got caught, and the robots uh, shot her and presumably uh, the rest of her her friends. But she was able to somehow sneak away and find the bunker and ask for help. And th- this was where I'm like, okay, something's not right with a number of stories. <laughs> that this is, like, she was able to find the bunker. Like, okay, presumably, you know, it's pretty noticeable from the outside, but... What makes her think that anybody's going to open the door to help her out? So th- this was when I was cluing in with, all right, I was actually on mother's side <laughs> of the, uh, this woman is bad and wants nothing good for us side of things. Like I didn't trust uh, Hillary Swank's woman. I, I was, I was kind of bought in with uh, the AI loves us. <laughs> well, it, they presented in such a way that it could literally go either way. Yes. Well, throughout the entire fucking thing. So it is something where it was done on purpose, and you can see that, and it presents you with these, not just moral quandaries, but also these these questions of who should she trust? Because neither one of them is the clear choice. Neither one of them can necessarily be trusted you know, to tell the truth. And, and so it's, it's one of those, like it's again, going back to the, this, I know this film is one giant trope com- composed of a lot of little tropes. And so I'm like, okay, what are they going to do here? Which one do we trust? If any, and you're kind of left bouncing back and forth between the two right up until the end. And because of that, I I know that some people may not have liked that because you don't get a clear, this is the bad guy, this is the good guy or woman, this is how you should be cheering for this one or this one. No, it's far more ambiguous and really leaves it up to you to, to decide who are you siding with now. And that may be different in five minutes. Yes, because every time we're presented with a new piece of information, completely switch sides every time. (laughs) And what that does is that makes you empathize with daughter that much more. This poor child that has been 
effectively put through hell, raised in hell. Um, yeah, it was cushy and all that, but she was the only human there raised by an android. Uh, not even an android, a robot. So it's um, it's it, it makes you really empathize with her that much more and root for her. It's just that you don't know how to root. You're not like thinking... deal with this woman forget about the robot or do this do that you're constantly flip-flopping yourself between what would be the right choice for her to do at any given time it really allows you to be on that roller coaster ride with the child in a way that i i'm loath to think of another example in recent films yeah i i can't uh, i can't come up with anything on the spot so we have another dramatic scene of daughter actually performing the surgery to remove the bullet because that dozer isn't going to touch me. <laughs> I, I love that they call that she keeps calling the robots dozers. Yeah. It's it's not it's not a traditional uh term we hear. So you know, not toasters or, or any of the the typical tropey ones. So it was it was like okay, but it also gives you like a certain idea of what these things are like on the outside. Yeah. Uh and we see she's very proficient as a surgeon as well. And like, it sets up that it, it, this one for me made complete sense. It was like, okay, clearly mother is only raising one child right now with plans later on to increase the amount of children. So she's taught daughter, you know, how to be a, a doctor and how to care for presumably her sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, whatever you want to call them down the line. So it, really kind of endeared me more to daughter. Like she's been very diligent with her studies. Uh, we can see she's, she's done well on her exams, but it also shows that yes, while she may be young with a large absence of any sort of outside interference, <laughs> it's not completely outrageous that she could learn, <laughs> especially with the amount of technology helping her along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, <laughs> I thought it was a little much, but not so much that it took me entirely out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have liked to have seen quite literally a few lines, not any, not even an entire scene, a few lines showing that she's either studying something medical or even understands different concepts, medical concepts or whatever, had that been part of the testing or, or something, you know, anything at all to show that she has this this capacity to do this um because it kind of comes out of nowhere and as you analyze it you're like well yeah it makes sense but it's one of those i kind of would have liked a breadcrumb early on about it Mm -hmm. because it is a child performing surgery still so it's you you can't take that lightly but now this leads into the next set of <laughs> competing informations where yeah, mother tells daughter that, oh, that bullet matches the gun that the woman was carrying. She wasn't shot by one of the robots outside. She was shot by one of her own people. So this now swings <laughs> our our belief into another direction until she later confronts the woman. Is like, no, 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 no. Listen. You've got my bullet. You've got uh, my gun. Go compare it for yourself. And this was this was another thing they did well, where mother tells us something, yes. and we're just supposed to accept it as true because, well, mother says so. But the woman, while she makes claims, she invites daughter to make up her own mind. Uh, to to gather her own information. And I think that was a nice way of differentiating the two competing sides of the truth. And as the story goes on, kind of draws us more to the woman's side because she's trusting daughter to, to make her own decisions. And that's a much more relatable thing to want to, to believe in. This is another example of breadcrumbs being um, laid out in such a way that it it makes sense then when something happens, which is why when there are no breadcrumbs, I'm like, I I know you know how to do this. You you should have laid a breadcrumb early on because the, the 
shot that forces Mother to lose part of her her body as she's being repaired, including the hand that's needed to open the containers mm-hmm. to then get to the guns and the bullets to examine everything. Like it's the groundwork is laid so that when daughter is needing to break into them and they've established that the only way to get into them is through the quote unquote fingerprint from mother's hand. Well, she needed a new one because of that gunfight just not long ago. It makes, it makes perfect sense. So it's another example of breadcrumbs being used very effectively. Mm -hmm. So of course the bullets don't match. Daughter realizes mother lied to her. And while she's there, she also comes across the the essentially like the file folders of, you know, the children and their exams, which now that she's not sure if she can trust mother, she's looking a little more into and realizing she's not the only one in the folder. Finding out that there was a previous daughter who didn't pass her tests and I forget the exact word they used. To, to describe the, the termination, essentially, of that experiment. But it, it was pretty, like, uh, intense. Like, when you see, like, oh, big red stamp, this didn't go well. Now, at this point, and, and I'm positive you will loop to this later on, but I'm curious because I, I justifiably don't remember. At this point, has Mother, uh, have they created the brother yet? Or started the process? Not yet. Okay. Beca- I don't think so. Because that's insanely important as well. Because early on, the, um, the, the daughter wants to know why there aren't any others. And she's pushing for some of the other embryos to be allowed. Okay, to- no. Actually, yes. The, this was while uh, brother was in the tank. Okay, it was after she passed her test, and her reward was to get to choose her brother. Well, the reward wasn't because of how well she did on the test. The reward yes. was to keep her there. It was a very mm-hmm. much a ploy from mother. So yeah, so when 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 daughter approaches her early on and is talking about like she wants a, a sibling, somebody else, another human being, and mother just is putting her off. No, we're not ready. No, maybe at some point, whatever, and. As things get, as the 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 uh, the balance starts to sway towards woman, in terms of daughter's opinions of who's right and who's wrong, mother, in a very calculated ploy, quote unquote, rewards daughter with a brother. It's I mean this is. Huge talk about emotional manipulation yeah. here to keep daughter from rushing off with this woman. She is giving her what she has wanted her entire life, another human being to be with, but not just any old human being, a sibling. Like that to me set mother as like a Bond villain. Like we're talking if she had a mustache, she would have been twirling it kind of thing. <laughs> and for me, at least, it really tipped that scale. Yeah. So that as the story progresses, though, and and forces try to apply it on the other side of the scale to even it out, you're still kind of forcing against it and going, no, she's evil. Like, fuck, we saw what she did. And it's not until much later on when that payoff comes off, you're going, oh, for fuck's sake, like, may as well throw the balance (laughs) right the fuck out because it does not matter. This poor child is fucked either way. (laughs) Yes, because that that ultimate, like, okay, we're, we're done here is when she goes down to the basement and checks the incinerator and finds Fucking hell. was it a jawbone or a full skull i don't know it was a jawbone with the teeth. it was just the jawbone with the but clearly from a human child yeah that was amazing because yeah. we've, we've seen so many moments in the story um again and i keep going back to the same scene that you laid out when when that robot is hauling ass like there is there is an unbelievable amount of tension in the air when daughter is away from mother because you're always, where's mother? What's going on here? Like, you know, like, and it's, it's far more, 
nail biting than you would get if it's just a human sneaking around on other humans. So when she is in that incinerator digging around, holy crap. Like you can feel your butt your butt clenching kind of thing and you're mm. like oh my god this is not a good idea get the fuck out of there and it was a powerful scene but of course because of that manipulation she cannot just get out of there she checks in with the woman and she's like all right we're out but you got to give me 24 hours because baby brother's in a bath yeah <laughs> it, t- it takes 24 hours to grow an embryo into uh, an infant child in this in this I almost called it a warehouse. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Kind of fits, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, But a woman forces her hand by uh, causing a... uh, Attacking mother and causing a fire and all. It's a shit show, and they essentially have to escape out into the outside, where... It's interesting. <laughs> it's absolutely devastated, but then you get them going through the cornfield of like, and she's like, I don't know why they're growing like all these fields of corn, but we as okay, the viewers. That was fucking weird. I'm sorry. I, even <laughs> I thought that was weird as I was happening. Yeah, but it, it's, I don't know. It's one of those like, oh, we know why they're growing corn. They're planning on hatching a bunch of kids pretty soon. Maybe this isn't even the only bunker, you know, it, it's, it's starting to, bring in the larger plan at play here for me see not so much for me and and i'm not saying it in terms of it was a problem for me so much as um so much as it felt very much like they needed a way for them to be able to sneak from point a to point b so let's throw something in there Oh, why don't we just do a cornfield? You know, it, it it wasn't logical to me in any way, shape, or form. I, I know what they were trying to do. It just, for me, it didn't work. And as they're walking, I'm looking, and I was like, I don't see any mines around. She said she was from the mines. This is a little weird. They're, like, walking away from the mountains or any of the terrain you would expect to find a mine until they end up at the beach, which is... Probably just about the exact opposite <laughs> topographically as you can get from a mine and find out, oh, yeah, all those other people I told you about, they don't exist. Woman lives on her own with her dog in a storage container <laughs> on the beach. And now we're those. just like, I don't I don't even know anymore. <laughs> just 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 jump into the water and swim away. Nothing yeah. good is going on here. <laughs> That scene when they get to the beach, though, to give credit to the cinematographers, crap, that was amazing. Like you, you're seeing mm-hmm. the shipping container, the 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 ship, the boat, the the tanker that's like crashed ashore, kind of thing, and then you're seeing some of the shipping containers strewn about the beach. It was very haphazard and very, the, the, like even the contrast of the, the 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 graphics, everything. It just it looked. Very, very cool. Very, very believable in that setting, which is saying a lot when just moments ago I was thinking, well, this makes no sense with the cornfield. You get to the beach and you're like, this makes sense to me. This this makes yeah. perfect sense. And then when you look inside of the one, quote unquote, her shipping container, you're like, oh, fuck, I knew it. Oh, you are insane. You are a batshit <laughs> crazy woman. Yeah, all the... Uh the drawings that she had in her book that she was claiming were her friends were just, you know, copies of statues and other pictures that she had accumulated over the years. Uh, I would, I would read somewhere that uh, the names that she had made up for these other people are, uh, I mean, obviously they're like, they're very common names, but they're also biblical names. And we saw she had like a statue of uh, Mary there. So presumably she read the Bible and came up with these names for these imaginary people. Like this is a very intricate deception that she's come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, yes and no. I I never took the book to be a deception per se. I took that just to be, this is a crazy person that likes to draw. This is somebody. Yes. But then she used that to her advantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just that the way you were talking, it kind of made it much more nefarious. See, I still don't feel that she, 
purposely went there seeking daughter to bring back with her. I think that was all just an accident. She was being chased by the robots, found the bunker, happened to get in because she looked just as surprised that there was a human in there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it was nefarious to begin with. I just think that, again, a crazy person found another human and wanted to be with them and so was willing to say or do whatever it takes. Right. Well, there's still another human to be accounted for because the whole plan was we're going to go back to the mines, we're going to get your friends, and then we're going to go get brother. No friends, so daughter heads back herself and confronts mother, gets there, and there's an army of Terminator robots outside, and the point where she's like, she's asks to be let in to go see mother. And they all step aside in unison. And you're like, okay, where, where are we going with this? That was awesome. I love that yes. scene. Christ, that was a beautiful visual. Mm-hmm. She has the presence of mind to like pop the hydraulics out of the door once she's in so that it can't be opened. And yeah, mother's not just mother. Mother is, for lack of a better term, Skynet. Those robots outside, their mother. The robots who shot the woman, their mother as well. So this is a much larger thing. And again, playing into those genre tropes, but we've gone through so many of them at this point. It's, like, it's just the next one on the list that makes sense, but completely kind of throws away the stuff that we were doing earlier because we still don't know what to believe. And when Mother's telling us that, yes, it's her plan, they had to get rid of all the humans to, to raise a better humanity. And I, I was just like, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know anymore. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? You mean you you don't know, you don't know if you are enjoying it or believing it, or you don't know if it No, works? I don't know what to believe anymore. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> like, is, is she being honest? Is this yet another lie? Is she just trying to convince daughter to come home? It's... Oh, see, at that I, point, I, I believed her. At that point, it, at that point, it makes perfect sense when you are, uh, when you're hearing her admit that, yeah, they're all one hive mind. It's, a, it's not even a hive mind. It's one mind operating a multiple, like multiple robots and different things. Like to me, that makes perfect sense. Uh, it made sense. I was just more questioning what her motives are at this point. Like, did she really have humanity's best interests? Well, yes and no. In terms of building a better human, yes. Yes. That, that, but that's so, so the that, only that, thing. That ties back into those those moral questions that we were coming to with her education. Yeah, and, exactly. and finding out, like, is daughter, what made her pass her tests was proving that, yes, she is capable of essentially being the one to rebuild society. And she even allows daughter to destroy the robot body and raise brother because she's proven herself. And the ultimate manipulation was that was part of it. This was the final fuck you to daughter of making her think she had made this decision and is doing the right thing by getting rid of mother and raising the kids herself when that was the goddamn plan all along. Well, it gets better. <laughs> yeah, because we had that awesome scene at the end where one of the like the soldier robots shows up to the shipping crate on the beach to confront woman and starts speaking in what we now know as mother's oh, voice. Oh, God, I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, you're expecting something completely different, but hearing that exact same voice coming out of the different body just felt so wrong. It was so nefarious. Oh my yes. God. It was like pure fucking evil at that point. <laughs> and, and tells her, well, why do you think you've been allowed to live this long? Because I needed you. And now everything just comes together. Like, oh, that's how she ended up at the bunker. She was essentially chased there, yep. if you will. And the one that got me it wasn't until after I'd finished the movie and was like reading up on it was way back at the beginning after the montage, when they do the flash forward to, to daughter as the teenager. And they say, you know, X number of days later, 
it pops up and I'm like, I'm really quickly trying to do the math of like, oh, how long is it? But it goes away kind of before I can do it in my head because it was a big number. But the movie's moving on. I'm like, all right, whatever. It's irrelevant. No, no, no. It was 38 fucking years later. So, of course, like, if you had caught on to that at the beginning, you would have known this isn't the same kid we saw before, this and that. But this also has me thinking of Hillary Swank's in her early 40s. (laughs) Did mother raise this other daughter as well and send her out there? Because what gets me is when daughter is sitting with her in the hospital room and showing her the tonight show. And she's like, Oh, did you, did you watch, do you, do you know the tonight show? And you, have you seen it? And her response is not in a while. And I don't know if that's a deception or a memory. I see. I, I was taking it as maybe she remembers. It, it made me think because I was wondering, okay, well, because it's not like, Oh, she remembers watching the tonight show because she, be that episode was on in what the early eighties, <laughs> a long time ago. Funny enough, I remembered those episodes. <laughs> yes, I'm but, sure you do. But I'm, I'm but saying the amount would, of time that has passed since that episode aired and the robot apocalypse, probably not 30-ish years. I agree. The only reason why I would not think that she was perhaps, quote-unquote, like the, the first experiment is because she does not have enough of an emotional reaction to mother specifically. So mm-hmm. it would have had to have been another robot, another something that tried to raise her kind of thing. And that just doesn't fit with the rest of the story. So I, I think she was just a survivor that was manipulated to the nth degree in order to do this this here. And again, I, like you said, like I, I felt that if nothing else, the writers and director have to be given credit for just how good a job they did with laying breadcrumbs so that for the most part, you're not left thinking, well, this makes no sense or this, this came out of nowhere or whatever kind of thing. Because when it all ties up at the end with mother confronting woman, you're like, Oh fuck. Like it makes perfect sense that she would have used a human in order to test the other human's ability to be loyal to be good, to be responsible, all of these things. It, it was fucking brilliant at the end. I adored hey, it. For a movie that is essentially an hour and a half of psychological manipulation, both of the characters involved and the people watching the film, it, again, it, it's not without its faults, but by the time you get to the end, goddamn. Oh, it's, it's great. Yeah, it stuck the ending better than a lot of other such films have. Yeah, it, 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 since we're tying in, and it, it's up there with Ex Machina of the 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 manipulate the the manipulation becomes clear more so than we had initially thought before, and that that same sting of oh damn, can't trust the robots. <laughs> I there are elements of this. I I wouldn't peg the entirety of the movie better than Ex Machina, but I mean Ex no. Machina is a high fucking bar. Let's be very honest. Yes. Here. But I will say that I felt there were certain elements in I Am Mother that actually were better than Ex Machina. There were, there were elements where the writing and direction were such that you were left wondering more and not quite sure who to trust. Whereas with Ex Machina it's pretty well clear throughout kind of thing. Ex Machina has its own trope that it's trying to, to not subvert, but kind of play with. And this is a different trope. Yeah, they're both AI, they're both robots and, and things like that, but it still is quite different in terms of the type of story it's trying to tell. And the mind fuckery of I Am Mother is far different than what you get in Ex Machina. And in some regards... I think better. Not not the entirety of the film, but again, certain elements. Oh fuck, that was brilliant. And I and I will say that I don't feel they should have, but had they chosen a model for the robot that was more human looking like the ex machina was, that it would have been at points that much more impactful as well. 
in the same way that Ex Machina was. Yes, but I think the inhuman design kind of plays into the ending. I like, agree. I don't know if I Daughter could have pulled the trigger if it was too human. I agree. I agree. It, it, again, it works for this. I'm just saying that what made Ex Machina strong, certain elements of it, I should say, had those elements been put in here, they would have been just as strong, if not even perhaps mm-hmm. more so. Because, again, the, the back and forth between mother and woman is not something you really see in Ex Machina. I mean, yeah, you get to see the give and take between the the android and the creator. Forgive me, I don't remember any of the names yeah. from that movie. I could name the actors, but I couldn't tell exactly. you the characters. But it, I don't think it's anywhere near as... Not strong, but hard to figure out as it is in I Am Mother. Mm-hmm. But all that said, I Am Mother, absolutely fantastic film. Highly recommended. And pretty easy to watch again. It's on Netflix just about everywhere. So that's going to wrap us up here this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find our show notes and more on our website at popcornronin.com. Uh, you can get some updates uh you're finally posting. I mean, as the time, as of this recording, we've been backlogging episodes, so uh, I'm we got them coming out pretty regularly. <laughs> now they will be. We've got a backlog of episodes. I've been kind of holding off because, of course, I tend to miss some episodes when I'm not feeling well. So now we've got a backlog. So every Friday for the next foreseeable future, next few months, literally, we've got episodes planned. And having edited them all, they're great. I'm really happy with the ones that we've recorded thus far. So yeah, it's gonna be great. And you can get the updates to all that on Roger's Twitter at Zen Buddhist. Uh, you can also follow me at Samodian. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again next week. And don't trust the robots. <laughs> <laughs>